0: Welcome to the Journey podcast stories I didn't get to tell last Sunday. Hi, I'm Doug McAllister joined today by the Journey League team and we're going to be talking about the series that we just completed uh, called Blink. Now Blink is a four-part series uh, on the end times and we just finished it up yesterday so we're going to just talk about it today and you know we focused on the main parts of the end time. Uh, There's a whole lot of information concerning the end times but we balled it down to these four things the rapture of the church the marriage supper of the lamb the great tribulation and the final judgment now there's probably a thousand other trails that we can go on today uh so we're going to kind of just talk about our theology talk about what we agree on what we know is black and white in the scripture and sometimes there are there are gray uh items that you know it's left open for interpretation. So all of us have a whole lot of, uh, you know, information that we've gained over the years. We've learned in Bible college and uh, on Sunday morning and uh, in our own research. So we're going to talk about that and we're going to just, you know, enjoy hanging out together today. So I'm glad you're here. So Pastor Ken is here, Pastor Tanya and Pastor Al. uh, And we're going to just talk about that. Uh, If you want to see the Blink series, it's all posted on the Journey app, all four parts, if you want to go back and watch it, or if you want to just maybe watch it for the first time, uh, it's available on the app. So let's open it up. You know, uh, Pastor Ken and I went to Bible college in the same decade, which was like, what, about 100, he, yeah. 100 oh, years ago?
1: 80s. <laughs> yeah. Way back in the 80s. When did you go to school? What 85.
0: So you went I started in 85 too. That's weird because I'm a little older than you. I was I was a slow learner though. <laughs> I had to take some remedial classes to get into Bible college. <laughs> yeah, pretty the green much. One. Yeah, pretty much is true. So I started in 85 um but uh, I was thinking Ken about that uh, that guy that used to travel to all the AG Bible colleges with the big uh, banner that was stretched across, across a, a, an auditorium. Did right. you ever see that guy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't remember his name. Do you happen to uh, know yeah, who Yeah, I don't remember.
1: I just remember he, he took that, yeah, like you said, that huge poster banner and laid yeah. it out and it had all yeah. the themes from Revelation.
0: Yeah. every Yeah, everything from uh, the rapture all the way to the new heavens and new earth. Right. And I remember he he, he taught a chapel, and when he was done, I was like, I'm lost. I don't, know, I don't know what's going on, man. There was so much information, you know? Right. It was yeah. overwhelming. Yeah,
1: and I think there was a huge fascination. I mean, there's a huge fascination now about the end times, but back in the 80s with authors like Hal Lindsey and some of those gentlemen, yeah. they just kind of brought it to the forefront. Everybody yeah. wanted to know what does Revelation mean. and What was that
0: book what, that he wrote in the The 80s. Late Great Planet yeah, Earth. Yeah, The Late Great Planet Earth. That one scared me. Yeah, Man, I was, I was a kid when I read it. I was a teenager, and man, it was like... <sighs> You know, it don't. You know, something about the end times makes you want to get right with God. You know, right. Hal Lindsey, you know, was uh, one of those prophetic. Kind of a teacher. Remember then, then
1: there was that guy in uh, 87 wrote the book, 88 Reasons Jesus Was Going to Come Back in 88.
0: Yeah, we all read it at Bible yeah, College yeah, and we yep. were all counting down the, like, Jesus is coming back next <laughs> uh, next year. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, we all knew. And then in 89 he had to revise it. Yeah, added one more thing, 89 Reasons Why Jesus <laughs> yeah. Come Back in 88. I, so, I think he, I so think he, he died up, now. Quit trying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He gave up. He's like, you know, Nobody I'm quits trying. That's no, the in Bible College.
2: Oh, yeah. We only got one more year. Why aren't we
0: reading papers? I'm not doing that paper.
3: I get that!
0: Yeah. I mean, there's gonna be no graduation right. <laughs> we should all we should all just drop out yeah and then um was it Jenkins that wrote um left behind the left Behind series that was in yeah. nine in the nineties and it was a book series it was like a ten part or something i mean it was a, a anthology of stories they were all fictional, but they were based on the end time, and then it turned into a movie series. You guys ever see that movie series? Yeah. Never yeah. saw the movie. That yeah, was right. Jenkins and I mean, LaHaye, I think. Yeah, Lahey, Tim LaHaye. Yeah. and
2: I forget his. Life. Yeah, I can't remember Jenkins now. But man, that Jenkins' was... dad, the yeah. guy behind the Chosen series, that's his dad. Oh
0: yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know I watched a uh, one of the uh, one one of the director's cuts, mm-hmm. and he was talking about his dad. Yep. I forgot about that man. Yep. Movie. And now, the guy that does the chosen, you know, yeah, the uh, yeah, 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 his dad was the guy who wrote right "Left Behind." Line. Yeah, I forgot about that, man. That's interesting. So he carried on his dad's his dad's anointing. Well, it was such a you know a, a believable plot because you know they, when even in the movie series, uh, what's that actor, the Christian guy that was? Uh, Kirk Cameron. Uh, yeah, Kirk Cameron was the lead guy. So it was it was well done. I mean, you know, most Christian movies back then were. You know, let's just be honest. You know? Remember the...
1: The, <laughs> the bad. The, revel- the left behind... What was the the movie back in the 70s that everybody watched that just scared all of us?
0: Oh, you know what? Yeah. The Exorcist? The Living Hell? Or no, Burning Hell?
1: No, I forget what it was called. But it was about the, the coming back, but it was so hokey and yeah. so... But again, yeah. again, it just points to the fascination that most people have about the end times. Where, yeah. wh- when is Jesus coming yeah. back, and what's going to be the precursor, and how do we know when he's yeah. coming back, and will we know when he's coming back? That's and- back
0: when Christians were, you know, not big budget movie makers. We just right. made it with home cameras. You know, now the chosen, you know, it's that it's one of the best movie series ever produced about Christ, man. And the Jenkins son is doing that. But back then, man, you know, I remember watching the burning hell. You guys ever hear the burning hell? Yeah. You know I mean? Well, it was big down south. It, it, we, we you would get this projector and uh, you would take a bed sheet and go out into your neighborhood and show it on the big screen. I mean, it was you know it was Redneckville, man. You know, so we did it as an outreach all the time. So we'd show the burning hill. It was like a thirty-minute movie. And when Satan made his appearance, uh, his makeup was his face was painted in different colors, like a red square and a blue triangle. He looked like the old Partridge Family bus. You remember them? <laughs> remember Partridge Family? <laughs> Like we should <laughs> think, wow! Al, you do not remember the partridge
2: family? <laughs> that was over before I started watching TV.
0: That's right before you were born, probably. Al. Yeah. <laughs> so we should think, man. So Satan is involved with the partridge family, yeah. apparently, because he has their bus design on his I face. I want to know
3: how many people showed up.
0: Oh, we we want I don't know wow. hundreds of people to Christ, hundreds. Wow. All the time, people, we'd give an altar call, and, you know, everybody there would get saved because it was a portrayal of hell. fire yeah. insurance.
2: Yeah, yeah it, exactly. exactly.
0: It was fire insurance, salvation. You know, it's like we did Heaven's Gates and Hell's yeah, Flames. Right. Yeah. It was like that because they showed an, a car accident, and the person that died went to the judgment seat, and right. if they weren't right with Jesus, they would go to hell. I mean, look, I got saved at every event because, like—
3: <laughs> You were you know, making sure well, you yeah, were going, you know,
0: huh? I'm Pentecostal, man. I'm getting saved every time there's an That's altar right. call. I'm I'm not taking any chances. I think I got baptized three times. (laughs) I got baptized over and over. Did you really? I really did. I got baptized in Jesus' name. I got baptized in Jesus' name only, and then in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm covered, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I was willing to do the Apostle Paul if it was necessary. (laughs) I would would, would get baptized in any name. So whatever he preached that Sunday, hey, I I didn't do that one yet. (laughs) Get it all after baptism.
3: So how many times were you baptized? Uh, Once. Once? Oh, you did it right, Just
0: once? Yeah. Yeah. I was... Once, yeah, well, I was a kid, I was 15. (laughs) I didn't know what I believed, I just just wanted to get saved, man. Um, so anyway, we did the burning hell, and you know, and that led into a lot of other end times. And my pastor that I got saved under was uh, old time Pentecostal, he preached on the end times about three, four times a year. I mean, and all it was a little country Pentecostal church. Every time he did it, all 40 of us would get saved again. I mean, because like. (laughs) Okay, we're not right with God. Jesus is coming tonight, you know, so we would get saved. So so just to be transparent, I've really struggled over the years about my theology of the end times. You know, when the church first started, when we first started Journey, uh, I think I was mid-trib. You know, I I, kind of believe that we were going to go through some of the tribulation and that may be still right. I'm not really 100 percent sure. You know, uh, I've leaned a lot on our fellowship. You know, I've read a a whole lot of papers that the AG has put out about the, you know, the doctrine of the end time. So I kind of lean in on all the smart guys, you know, but really no one's really certain of every detail. I mean, how do you interpret seven heads and ten horns? I mean, you know, are the great beasts that rose out of the sea or the great whore Babylon or, you know, all of the things that are symbolic are maybe, um, um, you know, maybe some way uh, a shape of what's going to happen. So I don't think we can be too dogmatic, don't you think? No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me where you guys are, or where, where you've been. So I've been on this process now for 25 years of developing my theology, and I'm more firm today on what I believe than I ever have been, but I'm still, you know, open to learn. So let's, uh, let's open up for conversation. Let's talk about uh, the, the, the rapture, uh, and let's talk about the marriage supper and the great tribulation. So who wants to lead out? Anybody got anything?
2: I think it all boils down to definitions What and what's literal and what's figurative. And the reality is it's, it's just hard to figure that stuff out. Yeah. You don't, you know, you could pick up one book and, and be firmly convinced of what that author wants you to believe and yeah. then pick up the next book and be, and be just as firmly convinced yeah. that it's not pre-trib it's actually mid-trib. Yeah. So, you know, it, it a lot of it has to do with, Um, how you're going to define the terms, and then not only how you define the terms, but what's literal and what's figurative language. And the reality is some of that's just really, really challenging to figure out.
0: Yeah. I often wonder why God wrote it figuratively in Revelation, because of, of the 22 chapters, probably 18 of them are figurative, or at least contain an element of figurative doctrine or Prophecy, you know daniel was pretty clear. I mean daniel spelled out there'll be you know so many weeks and then uh, you know uh, 42 months and the abomination of desolation where the antichrist uh, You know receives worship in the holy of holy daniel was pretty clear. So, uh, when you take Daniel's work and John's work, John's more figurative, and you try to merge the two. And then, of course, there's Jesus talking in Matthew 24, and Paul's, you know, Paul would, would hit it every now and then. You know, he had a verse here and a verse there, 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul goes a little deeper into the rapture. And I believe that's, you know, the central doctrine that we can all agree on is that, this, you know, the the rapture of the church is the blessed hope. Right. You know, and—
1: yeah, I think one of the, the issues, one of the points Al made, I it, it, it struck me because I heard a, um, I, I don't know if it was a teacher, I think it was a teacher back in um, my Bible college days, um, David Nichols was the, our, um, I, we took our, um, um, what's the word?
0: Uh, apoc- apocalyptic? Yeah, apocalyptic literature. That's a tough so, word. Yeah, so yeah. we took Daniel, and yeah. we
1: read Revelation, and some yeah. of the other verse, uh, passages, yeah. like you said, in 1 Thessalonians. Right. And one of the things he said was very interesting, it always stuck with me. He says... We read the Bible and we try to explain it, but we explain it with the definition, our definition of the words that we're reading. Yeah, he says God gets to give each word the definition. It's yeah. His word, and sometimes yeah. I think we miss out yeah. or we forget that. Oh yeah, God defines yeah. what He means by yeah. His word, uh, and I think it's it's easy to misinterpret because if you if you were to look at the prophecy of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, how many times did the Jewish nation just miss? Yeah, all the revelation, all the, uh, the you know the the foresight, the the pr- prophecies about Jesus being born. That's they true. missed out. They misread. You know the. Um, the suffering servant passages in mm-hmm. Isaiah, they didn't mm-hmm. understand when Micah was talking about, you know, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, and you know, Isaiah mm-hmm. saying that a virgin shall give birth. They had no idea, yeah. right? Because they still th- are waiting for the yeah, Messiah, or they think true. the nation of Israel is the Messiah, right, co- going to come back in power, um, and they just missed it. And why did they miss it? Because they were giving definitions to words when God ultimately holds all Man. the definitions of all the to all the words. Man, and that so, is
0: such a great point, Ken. Yeah.
1: So he uh. he knows when he's coming back, and that's the other thing. You know when I. I read the book of Revelation. Um, I, I'm just as fascinated as everybody else. I want to know when Christ is coming back. I want to yeah. know what it all means. Yeah. And yet, when I read it, I have to. I have to ask myself: Am I living for a future event, or am I ready? Or am I reading it for what I can get out of it today? Because yeah. although I, I I look forward to the future of what's going to happen, I live in today. I live in the now. And yeah. when I look at read Revelation, I want to know. Okay, I, I get stuff's going to happen coming up. Yeah. But how should it affect my life today? How should yeah. I be living today? That's why when I read Revelation, I read all those pa- those 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 chapters from basically chapter 4 on. Right. I- um looking forward to something but i really focus on chapters two and three the letters that john writes to the yeah. or jesus gives to john to the seven, give to churches. The seven churches because it's yeah. in those two chapters that i yeah. find a lot of the stuff that says yeah what should i be doing now yeah because what i do now prepares me for w- what's coming yeah i hate to i would hate to be the person that thinks you know well when jesus when it gets closer then i'll start living for jesus kind of like you yeah. well that's my whole problem
2: with it. rapture theology to begin with it's yeah. people's st- people put all their hope and trust in this event of, well, I'm not going to have to persevere. I'm going to just be taken up. I'm going to, I'm going to disappear. I'm going someplace else and I'm out of here. And we're focused on the, rather than being prepared right here and right now for what's to come in the future. And, to continue being transformed more and more into the image of Christ. That's what this is all about. Being, not being conformed into the pattern of the world, but being transformed into the image of Christ. And that's an ongoing process for, for all of our lives. So, you know, when I think often my biggest problem is just that it's like people start focusing on, well, I don't care. I'm just going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to be taken out of here anyway. And it's like, and I don't uh, like. Yeah, <laughs> there's a whole lot more to this thing yeah. than just that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I
3: totally agree. I um, I've looked at it over the years, and I've had that discussion with people, and I've always kind of shied away from speaking on it and giving my point of view about it. But what it comes down for me is, how am I going to live my life? Yeah. Is my life going to say Christ? Yeah. You know, is it, like, even if you look at Deuteronomy 6 and it talks about the little box and putting it up on your forehead and on yeah, your wrist, you right. know, mm-hmm. uh, how am I, is, is my life going to reflect Christ? Is people going to look at me and yeah. see Jesus, right. you know? So no matter if it's pre or mid or whenever he comes back.
0: I like Al's He's pan-trib. It's right. all, <laughs> yeah. It's
2: all going to pan out in the end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we really don't know. We're all guessing, you know. Well,
2: I mean, there. I think. I think there are certain things that are, in my opinion, when I read scripture, are completely like that. That just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. I, th- I would say, yeah, pre-trib. I could see a whole lot of re- rationale why people would believe pre-trib. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see a whole lot of rationale why people would believe mid-trib. I yeah. could see both sides of that equation. Yeah. Um. Some other parts of that theology, not so much. But yeah. again, like like to get back to what we were talking about, I think the the whole idea of like just. Going someplace else, like I'm just want to do this because I yeah. want to go to heaven, yeah. is is a big problem in the Western Church. Yeah. And for so much of this, it's like I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to get heaven into me. Yeah. You know, I want to. I want Ooh, heaven here and preach. now. So and that's what Jesus said, right? Yeah. The kingdom of God is both here and now and yet to come. And it's in you. Right. Yeah. So there's this idea of there's something that can we can experience right now, but there's a greater fulfillment that's yet to come. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when people get caught up in this rapture discussion, it's that whole part of the kingdom theology.
0: Right.
2: jesus That's all Jesus preached was the kingdom of God is here and now. Yeah. The kingdom of God is upon you. Mm-hmm. So over and over again, Jesus preached the kingdom of God is here, mm-hmm. yeah. yet rapt, this end times discussion in rapture theology and a lot of the books that you guys mentioned are, mm-hmm. are, are part of the reason why mm-hmm. some of that exists in our current yeah, culture. It
0: is. And I think it was written with good intentions, but there may have been some unexpected right influence that came out of it, you know, and like you said, the Western church primarily because most of the world doesn't live in the freedom we live in. Uh, They're not really worried about the rapture. They're really... Uh, worried about living for Jesus now, right now yeah. and making it through the rest of this day, right. you know. And I think we have the luxury of sitting around scratching our chin and discussing, you know, what our theology is right. about it. You know, it's, it's a great luxury. And I love that we can do that. Man. But I, I think what you said, Pastor Ken, about your, your professor that said that God gets to define what he meant, boy, that is that really informs our theology because you're right, uh, Israel missed the Messiah, and they had 300, was it 325 prophecies describing almost every detail of his life. And they missed it. It was literally right in front of them. And they spent their whole life, like you said, wrapping uh, phylacteries and, uh, you know, scriptures on their foreheads and their arms. And But when he actually showed up, they didn't realize it. So maybe just maybe you know we have all these prophecies and you know we may not have them all figured out and i think it takes a lot of grace you know that we just understand that we're all allowed to have various opinions you know in uh in what's clear in the scripture we have agreement and then what's not we have liberty you know to allow the holy Spirit so when did the word
3: rapture through. really start being used
0: well rapture is actually from first thessalonians 4 the latin word that paul uses Catch away. Uh, rapture comes from a Latin, uh, in the Latin Vulgate, not the Latin Vulgate, but the, uh, what was the um, translation? The um, Septuagint. Yeah, the Septuagint. Wh- whoever did the Latin, was, I don't remember exactly which one it was. The Vulgate. Yeah. So anyway, that word c- catch up is rapture. So it really is in the scripture, but is the word rapture didn't exist back then. It's a right. new word, but it's an interpretation of that scripture Paul wrote in Thessalonians. So the rapture is, um, Often mentioned, you know, Jesus said, Two will be taken, uh, two will be in the field working, one will be taken and one will be left. I mean, that's a pretty clear explanation, you know. Uh, Paul said that we shall not all uh, die, but we shall all be changed, you know, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus, Paul, and John all refer to that event you know we have different perspectives on it so uh the rapture is you know i believe pretty clear but the timing of it i think is what's yeah and i would say
1: it's interesting because this whole idea that we've talked about and that's come into our culture you know through the modern evangelical movement this idea of pre-post mid-trib idea didn't even start being discussed until mid 1800s exactly before that we yeah. all i say we all christianity thought that we would live right through everything yeah that we were we, they were all post-millennials right, right. we were just gonna, we're gonna live through it and be a witness through the you know true. through all yeah. the stuff the tribulations all those yeah. things and again, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying that for centuries they all missed it, and all of a sudden we've got some deeper revelation. Because I think at one point there's a, that that, pas- that uh, passage that um, Paul says in Second in Corinthians, we all see through a glass darkly. Yeah. I think there's. I think by design and by the nature, again, God defines the words, but God also gets to hide things that He yeah. wants to hide, and they stay yeah. hidden for yeah. His reasons. Yeah. And doesn't matter how smart we are. For God, you know, we we all see through a veil, and sometimes our hearts are veiled. Remember that mm-hmm. even Paul said that Moses. about the yeah, but Paul yeah. said that about um, the scriptures for yeah. the Jews. He said right. their their eyes are still. There's a veil still over their understanding because they mm-hmm. will not come to Christ. Right, and so I think maybe there's a little bit of a veil over us there is. that we just don't know because not not because God's being mean, but God's saying I'm holding this for myself. Yeah. Um, I, 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 or maybe I'll it's just that it. we're supposed
3: to be constantly coming before him and right. searching him and yeah. getting yeah. in his presence, too. It would
0: probably be our pride to make us think that we have it all figured out. Exactly. Yeah, We probably don't. No, no, you no. know, But he could come at any moment. That's why Jesus said uh, that you should be prepared. Was it the parable of the ten virgins? You right. know, yeah. you know have, you have your oil trimmed. Have your lamp trimmed and your oil prepared when the bridegroom comes. You know? Yeah, uh, then you know he's. I would say even do. that's
1: been debated yeah. for a long time. Is yeah. is has enough been done for Christ to even come back? Because yeah. we all, again, up until eighteen hundred, we all thought Christ had come at any any point in time. That yeah. enough of revelation had already been um, um, accomplished that he yeah. could come at any time. But now you hear things like, "Well, first the whole world has to hear, and right. then Christ will come back." Or right. first we have to have this unveiled, and then he can yeah. come back. And it's hard to hold those opinions that he can yeah. come back at any time. When we're first saying that no, the whole gospel has right. to hear, and then the yeah. end of the world. How so? How, again, how does that? How does that look? Uh, and so um, again, uh, the teacher I had, he he says again and again. This little bit goes to the how God defines the terms. But Paul says at least three times in the New Testament in his writings that the whole world has heard the gospel. Yeah. So what does it mean when we say the whole world? Right. Is that every individual? Is right. that, that a gospel witness in every country? Is that right. a written witness? Again, yeah. God gets to.
0: Simultaneous, or is it over the generations? Yeah, because maybe over the last two thousand years, every nation has heard. Right. Well, and the word "nation" there in the Greek is actually people People group. group. Yeah. It's not really nation, nations. It's people groups and languages. And maybe in the last two thousand years, nearly every language has heard. So, so
2: again, though, it comes down to defining the terms. Yeah. So, because what you might think of how to define the word "imminent," right? As in, like the blink of an eye, imminent. Right. somebody else may say the word imminent means you know suddenly like right. i could see a train's coming imminently right. but i could still see it it's down the tracks still. Right. Yeah. yeah right right so how imminent is imminent yeah. i guess i think that's
0: why we have to allow a lot of grace when we talk about these kinds of, to- uh, of doctrines and topics because i don't think there is an exact uh understanding i think it's through yeah. a through a glass darkly you know that we are you know and we do know this jesus is coming back
1: Right. I would agree that we probably all believe that there is going to be a rapture. Yeah. Again, we might um, have different perspectives on when and where and how that may take place. Yeah. But we're firmly rooted in... Right. That's the blessed hope, right? Christ's yeah. return. It's the blessed hope. It is the blessed hope. That's kind of what yeah. we're holding for. So I think as, you know, collectively as a whole, uh, you know, uh, we at Journey believe there is going to be a rapture. Of yeah. course there's going to be a rapture. Yeah. And it is imminent that Christ can come right. at just any time. Yeah.
0: And across every mainline church, every uh high church and all evangelicals, it's, it's unanimous. They, we all believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. Right. It is. It is a core doctrine. I think where we all disagree is on the, the specifics. And who really knows? Only the Father. Yeah, yeah. that's what Jesus Everybody said. Not even me. He said only he my did. Father knows. Okay. So if God didn't tell Jesus. I'm, I don't think He's telling he me. Tell us. Yeah. Yeah. So we all just need to be ready. Which leads us into the Great Tribulation. So uh, no, that leads us next into the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. So when Jesus takes the church. Into heaven then the marriage supper of the lamb and there's not a really a timeline spelled out in revelation or in uh, In you know in Paul's teaching, but we do know that sometimes after the rapture We will we will be at the marriage supper of the lamb, which is you know a beautiful story Jesus told uh, the parable of the the ten virgins in Matthew 25, which was based on uh, You know first century Jewish culture that when there was a wedding and you guys all know this uh but when there was a wedding there were three parts of a jewish wedding there was uh there was the engagement which lasted um uh, about a year or the betrothal i forget exactly what term they use about a year they would be connected uh and preparing to get married and i think that's where we are as a church we're in the we are betrothed to christ as paul said that you know i have uh you know labored till christ be formed in you so that we are you know and then in ephesians that uh the love between a man and a woman is a picture of christ in the church there's a lot of symbolism in there that we know that plays to the marriage supper of the lamb after that first year or so of waiting for the bride uh groom to come the bride would then uh um, prepare herself and her wedding party, which is the 10 virgins. Uh, and when the bridegroom would come, he would literally make a parade down the street to her house with all of the groomsmen. And they would, uh, at that time they, they would, um, consummate the marriage, you know, and it's gotta be a little awkward in our culture, you know, to know that your family's outside in the ballroom while you're consummating the marriage. You know, that's a little, I'm not sure if I could live up to that, you know, like dad's out there pouring punch and, uh, I don't know, man. It's like, it wouldn't work in Western culture very well. I was like, yeah, could you guys just leave the house maybe for a couple of That's hours? a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I can't do this, man.
0: I'm locked up.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: so they would, they would consummate. And then after the third part of the wedding was the feast, which would last 10 to 14 days. They would just celebrate the marriage. All the family would come from all over and they would celebrate, you know. So that third part, you know, the betrothal, the consummation, and then the marriage supper, that's the whole uh, typology of the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the final part of christ receiving the bride you know and that really kind of overwhelms me man just the holiness of, of jesus is taking a bride you know and that i'm going to be one of the cells in her body you know the, the theology there you know uh, i i can't really explain it it's just it's mystical it's beautiful it's holy it's sacred but it's you know spelled out pretty clearly christ and the church you know and that is the marriage supper i'm talking about you know um Audio Adrenaline wrote a great song about it back in the 90s. Remember uh, Big House? Yeah. It was a great big house with lots and lots of room. Right. You know, a uh, great big table with lots and lots of food, a uh, great big yard where we can play football. That's the one line that I think doesn't have any scriptural ground to stand on. But hey, I, well, I, I get know. the idea. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll let Michigan play. The there. <laughs> Let's
3: hope not. Tom Brady.
0: Maybe Tom Brady get to start in the, in, in the backyard at Jesus' house. Uh, but that to me is, is the beauty of it, you know, is that there's going to be a marathon. How long does it last? Does it last all 42 months? I don't know. John didn't say. Neither did Paul. Neither did Jesus. It may be a maybe a moment. It may be, you know, the whole tribulation. You know, so you guys have any thoughts about the marriage supper or the, or that whole thing? I
2: think there's a lot of imagery there, and and again, it's hard to nail down what is literal and what is figurative. In my yeah. opinion, yeah. So, for me, you know, we talk, you, you spent a, a, a fair amount of time talking about us being the bride of Christ. Right. But I could spend as much time talking about us being in Christ. Right. And I think that, you know, Paul often used that language that we are in Christ, our lives are now hidden in christ yeah. that he is the head of the body and we right. uh, we all have different forms and functions of which the body. goes
0: back to the mary couple exactly. becoming one
2: that's what i was gonna say
0: yeah I, I'm not, well no, no i was that, up you, to the end
2: no you're 100 yeah. percent right so yeah. but the two do become one yeah so there's so much that's figurative there and um and i think it's it's used specifically to get us thinking i i, yeah. I think it's meant to get us um know out of our comfort zone so to speak and uh, and to think about how we're living and acting right now not necessarily as to what's gonna happen in the future
0: yeah and that whole concept just really just blows my mind that God the eternal creator of the universe is gonna let me (laughs) and you be part of his eternal existence in futures to come I don't know it's just overwhelming man you know it's just you know it's. It, I can't. I can't well, give he, words to he
2: called. That's why over and over it is. It is mind-boggling. Over yeah. and over again, we see yeah. that we're called children of God, yeah. Yeah. sons of God, mm-hmm. and that's very literal that language. That's meant to, I think, to yeah. be thought of as as literal, not just figurative. Yeah. That there comes a point in time yeah. when we will rule and reign supreme over angels right. as God's children. Right. There's a whole nother like And this, there'll be a
0: new heaven. And a new Earth, so there'll be a new universe with planets and solar systems, and I don't know what it will. It'll be immortal and it'll be eternal. It won't be just like this one because it'll be new and it'll be permanent. But will there be will there be governments? Will will you and I I reign? Yeah. Are we going to have jobs? Yeah. <laughs> are we going to be leading? Are we going to be serving? Dude,
2: Jesus, please. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be president. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be president of any country. <laughs> I don't want to, you know. I I, if there are Democrats in heaven, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> There's going to be Democrats. <laughs>
0: our Republicans. Our, Republicans, yeah. 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 <laughs> our, uh, our Socialists. I mean, will Communists go to heaven? Any, I,
2: po- yeah. any political party. I don't yeah. want any. Uh, any... Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't think there's any division in christ right? exactly yeah. Amen. To you that. know and that's the
0: beauty of it is that uh when a person comes to christ you know even you know people who have uh, opposing political points of view you know are can be one in christ you know and and denominations you know will will there be um pentecostals in heaven will there be catholics in heaven absolutely will there be baptists in heaven what about somebody who never joined a church but just found christ uh, you know, through a, a personal witness, you know? Or on their deathbed. Yeah, or on their deathbed, you know? I think that's, you know, the, th- that's the grace of God, you know, that he his, point, his plan is always to redeem us. Mm-hmm. His plan is always, always to redeem us, you know? So while this marriage supper of the Lamb is going on, whether it's seven days or 42 months, uh, then on the earth, there's the Great Tribulation. Now, uh, again, in 1979, when I first heard the end time message my pastor knew who the antichrist was going to be turns out he was wrong because now that guy's dead <laughs> so it wasn't the antichrist right. but he did not name him he said this is who i think it is and he had good reason you know it he was, acted like he was huh? yeah well i mean it, he had sound reasoning you know this guy was from the right place he had the right knowledge he had the right power unfortunately he died before he became the antichrist so he missed he missed it you know so i think we all we get in dangerous places when we start naming people or even places we Our can get or we yeah. can we can guess you know
1: yeah i think I, you know uh, john talks about in his letters there's a spirit of antichrist so I yeah. think there's always this idea. And what is the spirit of Antichrist? It's anything that would reject Christ, right? Yeah. Anything that would reject yeah. him, uh, who he is, and what he came to do, all those types of things. So I think there's a spirit that kind of is always present among all generations. Yeah. And I think there's people that could potentially be that personification. Yeah. It could be that living Antichrist. But again, yeah. although God has that person ready at all times... I right. said that person is ready. To, um,
2: yeah.
1: Until God says it's time, yeah. that person doesn't really step forward. Yeah, I think that's exactly it right. It
0: it's the spirit of Antichrist, which John said, is already at work right. now. But I did notice when I was doing my preparation for the series that when God cast uh, the beast and the false prophet into the lake of fire, he didn't cast the Antichrist into the lake of fire because, I believe, that spirit of the Antichrist is the devil himself who is going to you know pose in some person's life as the antichrist because later on satan is cast into the lake of fire now that's just my reading of that scripture that the, the beast was named the false prophet was named and satan all three were cast into the lake of fire so i think you're right i think the spirit of antichrist you know is what's driving the driving force It's the spirit of darkness you know that that's driving and it's already at work you know it's always it's always about dividing it's always about uh, opposing the gospel and opposing opposing christ you know so uh i don't know how long exactly that, that's gonna happen i don't know who the person is i don't know exactly when it's gonna be it may be starting tomorrow it may be a hundred years from now you know i I know, is you know, it's very clearly spelled out. There will be a period that Jesus said will be at the, the great tribulation that the earth has never seen before nor will ever see again. That's a pretty specific description, you know, and then we have other. Uh, of the patriarchs the the apostles and the prophets who wrote you know the timeline 42 months it, it's mentioned in daniel and in revelation you know uh in daniel he called it a time times and a half of a time which was i think a babylonian reference to three and a half years you know in john and who lived in uh in a roman world you know he said uh, be, it'll be 40, 42 months and then three and a half years. So that it's kind of repeated over and over, you know, that, that time frame. So, you know, that seems to be the, the length of the Great Tribulation. But again, it's just our understanding of what God's saying. Even that may be, you know, right. up for discussion.
1: But I would say this about the Tribulation, kind of like Pastor Al said, you know, there, he can see a strong reason why it could be um, pre-trib, the, the rapture and or mid-trib. Um, nobody wants to. Nobody wants to believe post trip. Nobody wants to be here for that yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, when you read really? Revelation and yeah. the seals are unlocked and the trumpets are, ble- you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't want any part of. Yeah, the blood flows that. up to the bridle yeah. of the horse. Yeah, yeah, man. None of us want to be a part of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, even though the church for centuries thought we would be part of right. it, so um, I, I think whatever that great tribulation entails, and again, you know, you start reading chapters four and five and six and seven. You know, as you get yeah. into Revelation. It starts to unfold what it's all going to look like. And it just all looks very unpleasant for the world.
0: To go back to what you said earlier, it's interesting that Jesus started out the revelation to John by writing a letter to seven churches. And they were all in Asia Minor. And John was the pastor of one of them. He was pastoring Ephesus when the letter was written to him. And then the other six that were all in Asia Minor, you know, and he wrote those specific letters. And that wasn't by accident. You know, those first three, or is it four chapters?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's chapters 2 and 3. Yeah, chapters 2 and 3 are are letters to the church, you know. Uh, And I don't think it's separate from the rest of the prophecy. I think it leads into the prophecy. This is what, you know, like um, one of the churches, he said, you've left your first love. Yeah, Ephesus. Yeah, Yeah, Ephesus, you left your first love. And Laodicea, the seventh church, he said, you're neither hot nor cold. So I really think that probably is uh, just as important as the prophecies that followed or maybe— Maybe even more.
3: Addressing the heart. Yeah. What the issues are. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So the great tribulation happens, the mark of the beast, you know. uh, I think he's going to be probably European or Middle Eastern from what I read in the scripture. He'll rise out of the Roman Empire. Which you know the, the remnants of the roman empire is still there you know it's called the european union now it has a new name but he'll probably be a man of great wealth maybe a billionaire or a trillionaire you know he'll probably be somebody who's very charismatic you know uh, who who will do who will set up the abomination of desolation in the temple mount you know and there is a building there now on the temple mount you know the the, the dome of the Rock's been there what for a thousand years you know, and they, uh, the Jews and the uh, uh, and the Muslims and the Christians have fought over that Temple Mount now, since you know, all of ever since the, yeah. the uh, Temple was destroyed in 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 seventy A.D. when the Romans tore it down one stone upon another, it's been a, a scene of battle. But if I'm if we understand what Daniel said, right, that temple's going to be rebuilt, this will be about the fourth time. How many times has the Temple been built wow. already? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Solomon built one. Yeah. And then uh, I, th- I think uh, Zerubbabel rebuilt the same temple, yeah. and then Herod, Herod built a brand new one, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. It. So, yeah. so this will be the third brand new temple that's going to be on the Temple Mount, you know. Uh, and then the, uh, the and then the sacrifice will be restarted in the Holy of Holies, with the difference being they'll be worshiping the Antichrist. You know, that's the abomination of desolation. So, will we be here for that? I don't know. But again. That appears to me to be part of the great tribulation and I hope you're right. I hope none of us are, are post-trib Or are, or are mid-trib, you know, and like these terms didn't exist 200 years ago But I really hope we go early But if we're here for it, you know, may god give us grace to live through it, you know, um, and then let's wrap it up with the final judgment uh, you know, um I came from a school of thought that we thought the great judgment was different from the great white throne judgment. In fact, for years, I kind of battled, why is God doing two judgment seats? And I read even one theologian who's a mainstream guy who thinks there's going to be seven judgments. I was like, okay, dude, I can't even go there right now. I can barely get my mind around two.
2: He's doing one every year for the tribulation. I don't know, dude, it's, <laughs> it's like why of it every car- year? It's like I a celebration. Get seven. Come on up, you're yeah. next so for the I, judgment.
0: I didn't even mention that was like I can't even go there. I can't even <laughs> unfold it myself. So so there is a school of thought that there'll be a judgment seat for believers and then a great white throne uh, judgment seat for unbelievers. I don't know if that's true or not.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we all have a love-hate uh, relationship with just the term judgment. <laughs> We love That's it true. if we get to be the judge. Yeah, we hate it if we're being judged. I know, right? Um, but when you to go back to what we talked about about the seven churches in that moment, at one level, as you know, Jesus is talking to John and say, write these. You know, He's judging them right there. He's yeah. already looking at them and saying, hey, uh, let me uh, just call you out on a couple things. Let me correct you on a couple things. And let me instruct you on a couple more things. Yeah. And so he does. He starts with Ephesus. And when I look at those seven churches, Ephesus seems to be, you know, if you know the history of the city and it was very yeah. affluent and it was... Right. You know there was wealth and there was just so much going on, uh, the fame, publicity, all these different things. Uh, Ephesus in America seems to they seem very much alike it, at one level. Yeah. And because there was so much going on in Ephesus and so many things that were happening, he commends them because they worked hard, yeah. because of their deeds, yeah. and uh, because of uh, there, there was a third thing I, I, it escapes me. Yeah. Uh, but then he says, but. You don't love me anymore. You don't love me like you should have, or that you you used to love me. And he says, you lost that first love. And and he just calls him on it. And I think about our country. How, how many times do we get so involved in everything that's going around us? Yeah, we're still doing things. Yeah. we're still working hard. You know, I you know I think about all all the pastors over the last oh mo- month or so in all these different churches in Louisiana. We're all working hard. You know, yeah. we're all trying to rebuild. We're all trying to help yeah. our sister churches that are really struggling. So we're doing good deeds. We're working hard. Yeah. But how many times does that actually take us away from those intimate moments? Yeah. With with Christ. Yeah. Where we just fall away, and and that it's so not true. like. It's 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 almost like this. If, if you don't fight to stay in love with someone, and you know, marriages are the same way. Yeah. If you don't fight to stay in love with your spouse, yeah. you will naturally drift away. And how many times is that where they say, oh, we just grew apart? Yeah. Yeah, but you chose to because yeah. you didn't choose to grow together. Right. And I think that's what is the story of Ephesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, you're doing a lot of great stuff. But you lost out on what you really once had that is Mm -hmm. more important. You just lost your first love. Go back to your first love. So he judges them and then he judges, you know, Thyatira. You you go down the list of all the different churches that he judges and he ends with Laodicea. But he's judging them. And, And I think about, you know, and a lot of Christians don't like that idea that. You know, they don't want us to judge each other, although right. Paul says, what are you doing? You can't make simple judgments within the midst of the church. You're oh, going to really? judge angels. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so we don't really like that word sometimes, but that word's not a scary word if you yeah. see it in the right context. Yeah. If you see that God's heart for you is to... Uh, is, is pure love, pure motivation to get you to the place where he's created you to be. And he'll do everything in his ability to help you to get there. You just got to stay on task, stay stay given to loving Christ, yeah. and you know, doing what he's called us to do. And so when I think of the great throne judgment, I think two things. A, that's going to be a really scary time for a lot of folks that were kind of lying to themselves you know, oh God, well, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? Right. But, yeah, Matthew but why? I just didn't even know you. Depart from yeah, me. I never I, knew I, you. I didn't know you. And that's right. going to be a really scary time from some folks. But yeah. it'll be a really blessed time for others. Right. Calls them away and he says, come on. Yeah. Come on, my child. Come to we the joy you. of the Lord. Yeah. Prepare
0: for you yeah. from the foundation of yeah. the world. Yeah. Man, Man, that's true. So there is going to be a, a judgment day. We know that because Hebrews 9.27 spells it out very clear. It is appointed to every person once to die after this, the judgment. So we're all gonna stand before God and give an account, whether it's two thrones or seven or one. I don't know, only Jesus knows, he's He's in charge of it. It's gonna be his throne. Uh, but I do know we're gonna stand before God and give an account, you know, which always makes me very weak in my knees to think, oh man, <laughs> thank God for the cross because otherwise I, I'm not getting in. Yeah. Thank God for I, grace. I, I'm done. <laughs> You know, wrap the blood of Jesus, you know, none of us get in. But uh, let's wrap it up with this thought. And I think you're so right, Pastor Kim. I think Christianity, more than anything, is an intimate relationship with your creator. And everything else is details. If you don't get that one right, does anything else really matter? You know?
2: So with all that, you know, came out recently with Ravi Zacharias, obviously it's horrible stuff, but he said a lot of really good things along the way. One of the things Ravi said was uh, about our intimacy and our, our fighting for that time with God. He said, if you don't fight for your time, your intimacy with God, um, every other fight will be infinitely more harder. Yeah. So the most important battle that a Christian has, what Ravi was trying to teach, the most important battle that we have is yeah. battling to keep our intimacy with God. Yeah. And if we don't fight for that, every other fight becomes infinitely more challenging and more harder.
0: Yeah, that is so true, and I think as we're wrapping it up today. So that's kind of end on this thought. It is all about our intimacy with Jesus, our own our own uh, worship and prayer time, our own devotion to the Word, our own our own commitment to our local church, and our own commitment to our family and to doing life with other believers. All those things, I think, are uh, what God's looking for. That is the intimacy that we're all called to you know that that's our first love that all of our good works are born out of that experience you know where we know that God loves us so that's why we love him and 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 other people so
1: I think one of the encouragements of you you get from that first letter to the Ephesians is because there may be people that are saying you know I kind of lost that for you know what do I do how do I get back
3: to that first love
1: and Paul tells them exactly here's what you do yeah. You, and when he says, "Here's what you do," it opposes it itself to another idea that people have. I just don't feel God anymore. I don't yeah. feel like I'm connected. I don't feel that love. Yeah. But Paul, or but John, when he speaks to the church, as Jesus tells him to, he says do the first things yeah. and you think about what we did when we first came to christ yeah you you know you read the word some people yeah. for the very first time in their lives picked up picked up that right. bible starting right. to read it other right. people worshiping yeah. right and then yeah. and then of course prayer so you yeah. think of those three things of reading the word yeah. worshiping every single day and praying to god every single day if you will do those things, I think two things happen. A, I think that intimacy starts to reconnect with God or starts to be reformed with Christ, but also then the feelings come. Because it's almost like you have to do it first to then get the feelings later that so many people in our culture, we would just want the feelings now. Make me feel something now, and then I'll do something. Where John was saying, no, no, no. Jesus told John, no, no, no. Go do those things again that you did at the beginning. Yeah. And then you'll recapture that first love. And Well, that's a
0: really good way to, uh, to put it all in the capsule. You know, uh, feelings follow choices. You know, you make good choices to love Jesus, to love his church, to love your spouse, to love your kids. Your feelings catch up with that. You know, you may not feel it when you're doing it. You know, I don't know. Every time I open the Bible, sometimes it's like I got to get through the first 10 minutes because, you know, I I really got other things to do. But once I get into it, man, the feelings catch up with it, you know, or we're going to church on Sunday morning, you know. Yeah. Can you go to heaven and not go to church? Probably. But I don't know, because after a while, you kind of everything becomes cold in your life. So but once I get there, man, I am so happy. I'm at worship. You know, and then I hear the word and then, you know, going to small group, it's awkward, it's, you know, it feels weird at first, but then you make lifelong friendships that you wonder how you ever lived without, you know, so choices come and then feelings follow. You know, and boy, I think that's a good way to end it up here. So, hey, this is Doug McAllister from Journey Fellowship Church in Slidell. And this has been uh, stories I didn't get to tell last Sunday. I've been joined today by our lead team. These are the elders of our churches. This is Ken Al and Tanya and uh, I'm Doug McAllister and it's been great being with you today. We hope that you have uh, enjoyed our conversation and maybe learned a little bit and hope we kind of uh, uh, in, in, you know inspired you to do some some of your own research. Uh, the series is called Blink. Uh, all four. Parts of Blink is posted on the Journey app uh, If you want to go back and watch it uh, It's all there uh, If you're living somewhere on the North Shore And you're looking for a church Come visit us at Journey Fellowship Church uh, We're in Slidell, Louisiana Right on Train Across from the new Walmart uh, It may be easier just to download the Journey app Go to your app store uh, Type in Journey Fellowship Church In the search bar Download our app It's Compliments of Journey It is loaded with uh, resources to help you in your faith There's past sermon series You can find a small group You can get uh, driving direct uh, you can also uh, kind of prepare for your first visit maybe even watch us online uh, every Sunday morning uh, we are uh, our online campus is at 10 a.m. Uh, you can join us online and check us out first before you come Is uh, a repeat broadcast at 6 p.m. at night but we'd love to do life with you and help you to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus and maybe we had a great time talking about this we get together real soon again next time we are going to talk about the hurricane we just came out of Hurricane Ida and uh Our lead team has been leading the way uh, in helping our people and our city recover and other churches. So we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, But thanks for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed it. Doug McAllister for Journey Fellowship Church. Stories I didn't tell last Sunday.